Uninvisible is a support podcast that provides information, ideas, suggestions, and experiences that deal squarely with medical issues that present unique advocacy issues for individuals. We do not provide medical advice of any kind. We do provide support, concepts, ideas, discussions, and information you can use to make sure that you are being heard and that your concerns are being addressed. Please consult with your physician for any medical issue that you are facing, but we will be here for you along your journey. We welcome all comments about our episodes and, of course, the correction of any errors. Information and comments that you send to us are governed by our Terms of Service and Privacy Policy, which are available on our website, located at www.uninvisiblepod.com. The opinions expressed by guests are their own and are not necessarily the opinion of Uninvisible or the show sponsors. Most of all, we welcome your stories and experiences to share with our community, because without you, this community and the benefit it offers all of us would not exist. Any advertising that you may hear is accepted without regard to our editorial content. Of course, in the event that you are having a medical emergency of any kind, consult your physician or emergency services. Welcome to Uninvisible. I'm your host, Lauren Friedman, and I'm here with my guests to bring you info, insights, and inspiration for coping with, diagnosing, and treating invisible illness. We're here oversharing, so you don't have to struggle with invisibility anymore. All right, guys, thanks so much for joining us today. I'm here with Sonora Chase. She is one of my very good friends. She's an actress and a writer based in Los Angeles. She lives with invisible illness. She's got an acoustic neuroma, which she's going to tell us all about. And she's also impacted by others who have invisible illness, which sounds very mysterious, but she'll definitely get into that as well with us. <laughs> so Nora, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Oh, so happy to have you. So let's talk about your invisible illness first, the acoustic okay. neuroma, which I'd never heard about until I met you. I hadn't either. <laughs> Until you met you? <laughs> Until I went deaf. I did not know. That so was how us, I found out. Tell us what it is. What is an acoustic so neuroma? So acoustic is obviously going to be in your ear. Mm-hmm. A neuroma is the standard term for a benign tumor, mm. meaning not cancer. Lucky. Meaning just healthy cells that piled up, mm. overproduced and piled up. Wow. So in this particular situation, these healthy cells, schwannomas... The schwama cells, actually, but the schwannoma is what you call it sounds when there so are much too more many. Fun. I know it <laughs> yes. sounds like dinner. I know, <laughs> isn't that a meat? Yeah. Um, so they overproduced mm. and accelerated in production and created a a sticky lump, and it strangled my hearing nerve first and started reaching for my facial nerve. Wow! Because they're right next to each other. Okay. And I had hearing loss, but I didn't know that I was losing my hearing because I always used headphones when I was on phone calls and so Mm -hmm. forth. And I just didn't know. Yeah. And it's, it's something that doctors have no evidence of how they start or why they grow. But I know for a fact that I fell off of a horse when I was 17 years old, butt first and head second. Interesting. On this side of my head, my left side. I know it's radio. I, have I know. To. Yeah, she has to like, <laughs> she's gesturing to her left side. <laughs> and that I went literally one, two, butt, head. Mm. And that happened when I was 17. And then in 2014, and my, although I was buckled in yeah. and my seat was straight up, 
I, my head didn't hit the side of the car at all. Okay. But my brain hit the side of my skull. Yeah, of course. Because that's the injury. Like a whiplash. Yep. Mm. So that was the second impact. Right. And in my experience of my life, that's mm. connected. Yeah. Because usually when people have an acoustic neuroma, they don't know that they get it or they don't get it until they're really old. Oh, interesting. Senior, senior citizens. And, and most of their hearing is, is lost. And people tend to think that it's just hearing loss from age. Mm -hmm. And then they realize very late in life that they actually have this benign tumor growing Man. with these cells just reproducing. But the, what they're trying to do is protect the hearing nerve. Oh, right. there's a trauma. We need to multiply and we need to uh, pile up and protect and protect. Mm. And, and what it does is it, it builds out towards the facial nerve. And Mark Ruffalo had one too. No way. Yes. Oh my gosh. So one of the risks for the surgery to remove this mm -hmm. is damaging the facial nerve and you could be paralyzed on half your face. Which, especially if you're a performer, could be a little bit of a problem. It threw him into a depression well over a year long because half of his face was paralyzed. But it's interesting that he's speaking up about it and mm -hmm. that you sort of, I presume, found some community in that as well. It's a very small community and the most potent um, support is actually on Facebook with Facebook survivor groups. Um, so what happened was I, I was on the phone to my mom. Mm. And this was like after 2014 something. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. So the concussive symptoms that I had from that car accident – we're lingering six months later. And when I went to my doctor and I said, I still have brain fatigue. My balance issues are still crazy. The, the uh, PT didn't work. Mm. Um, I can no longer do a tree pose in yoga. I've gone down to yoga one. Um, I still have headaches. I have incredible fatigue, brain fatigue, forgetfulness. Brain fog. Yeah. Brain fog. Yeah. I actually wasn't having memory issues. It's just that my brain got tired. Yeah. And I did have uh, three weeks of complete brain rest, by the way. Okay. What does that look like or mean? Brain rest is when you d literally don't think. You don't hear. You don't think. You don't talk. You don't listen. It's pitch black. Wow. So it, we put up blackout curtains in the room. Um, not just the kind you can buy at the store, but like yeah. the kind you get on on the internet that really block out all the light, all the sound. So I couldn't listen to audiobooks or music or TV. Are you so bored? No, because here's the thing. <laughs> Your brain really does have 50,000 thoughts a day. Yeah. So I wasn't bored because my job was to set the thoughts down. Right. Which if, is not easy. I mean, for people who haven't really meditated before, I mean, that's like yeah. going into crazy meditative state. And that that was actually what meditation was. It's just I acknowledge you and I release you. I'm setting the thought yeah. down. And if I ever fell in into the um, – the anger of being hit by somebody who pretended to have insurance and didn't and yeah. wasn't paying attention and probably didn't even have a license. Right. Uh, you know, the blaming of that, my head would just get so inflamed. Mm, wow. So anyway, so that, so, but so that was, was the car accident. But So the brain rest, was the brain rest something that a doctor told you to do after the car accident? Yes. Okay. So it wasn't even at this point acoustic neuroma land. No, well, no, it wasn't. Okay. It wasn't. Or at least acknowledged um, as such. Correct. And the insurance company, of course, would not. Oh, God, no. Once I got the diagnosis of acoustic neuroma, they wouldn't 
take any responsibility for that whatsoever. Oh, fun. That's great because they were probably like, well, that's not related to the accident. That's what they said. Yeah. And a a case had just been dismissed because the proof wasn't, the evidence wasn't there yet Mm. because so few people have this. They haven't studied us enough. Right. So there's that. Uh, So six months later, I went back to my doctor. I'm still symptomatic. She said, it's not the concussion. It's got to be something else. She sent me to a migraine specialist, Hmm. neurologist who assumed I had a facial migraine. Have you ever heard of that? I had numbness, numbness. uh, which was in fact the acoustic neuroma starting to wrap around the facial nerve. Right. Um, You had the numbness and you had the hearing loss mm -hmm. at this point. Oh, actually I did not know I had the hearing loss yet. Oh. So it took me a couple months to get that appointment. She gave me some meds for migraines and then maybe a month and a half later, I was talking to my mom on the phone and I was, it was the holidays. And so I had a glass of wine and we were just, I was just, she was called to say happy Merry Christmas. And mm. so, um, I was holding the phone in my left ear, which is unusual because I'm right-handed, but mm. I was holding a glass of wine in my right hand. Sure. Couldn't hear my mother. Could not uh. hear her at all. So I switched and I thought, well, that's funny. My ear must be clogged. Sure. And then Holiday later. Holiday flu or something. Right. Mm-hmm. I just, I've, I'd never heard of such a thing. Yeah. Then um, I picked up the phone, uh, the landline, when somebody had called, and I just couldn't hear out of that ear. And that's when I knew something was really wrong. Okay. But again, I thought it was – I went to the store and I got an, an earwax kit oh, how to funny. like wash out my to ear. To flush your ears. Yeah, flush of course. So we were in Baltimore at the time. My ex-wife and I were in Baltimore at the time. We, we went back to New York before we came to LA. Mm-hmm. We were in both places. And we immediately made an appointment for a hearing test in New York. And I was, you know, trapped in that little booth with all the noises and the dings and the dongs. And I couldn't hear anything out of my left ear. Oh, wow. And I get to New York. We tell my doctor what happened. She immediately sets us up with an ENT. And, and tell us what an ENT is. So the ENT is an ear, nose, throat doctor. Okay. And what they'll do is examine all of those things and then send you to another hearing test because they want to make sure. Sure. That That's the other a liability right. concern. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I went through that again and he said, okay, yes, you are deaf on that ear mm. almost completely. And we're going to give you an MRI just to rule things out. But he didn't tell me what we were ruling out because why would you? Why would you? You don't want to scare out. somebody. And I thought that the guy was – the tech at the MRI place Mm. was really nice to me. And now I know why, because he could see it. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. So, so luckily they called for the MRI and that's how they caught it. Yeah. And when was this, would you say like how long ago? That would have been December of 2015. Okay. So really not that long ago. Actually December, but really January when I got the diagnosis of an acoustic neuroma. Okay. So really only a couple, like three years ago. Yeah. Wow. So then um, I had so much fatigue that Mm. I couldn't do stuff. It was pushing my brainstem over. Okay. So that causes trouble breathing. Okay. Fun. (laughs) Yeah. Um, It causes balance issues. Which you were already experiencing. And as my brain was adapting to single-sided deafness- Mm. It was tired. Sure. It's overworking. Overworking. It was compensating. And, you know, I also, I talk about this a lot. The number one problem 
that we have is the lack of a vestibular system. What is that? So much. It's the entire system where you take in information, audio information, Mm. right? But also balance. Okay. Right? Your brain is adjusting to only having one inner ear when your inner ear is removed. You have no balance. Mm -hmm. I had to relearn how to walk. Wow. And when part of the surgery, you know, they're taking out the tumor, they've got to take out your entire inner ear. Oh my God. So they take it out and they put it back in? Nope. It's gone. So you have no inner ear? I have no inner ear. How the hell do you stand up straight? It's very hard. (laughs) Actually, it's fine now. But the reason I was so fatigued for that first year, Mm. not only was the tumor growing, but my body was trying desperately to adjust to single-sided deafness, no inner ear, and taking in the visual stimulation Mm. that we all take in. We're sitting in this room and there are thousands of things in the room. Sure. But I only have half of my vestibular system to take in that information. Therefore, half my brain is working twice as hard. Right. And that's something that you're always going to live with. Always. Yeah. So people who have any kind of a brain tumor, and this is this is considered a brain tumor because it's in your brain. Yeah. Um, when they have the surgery and they remove a brain tumor, you will simply have fatigue forever mm-hmm. in general. The amount of fatigue uh, is changes. The right. level of fatigue changes. The intermittent nature of it changes. But it's something that is that feels vague to other people, not to us. Right. Not to Spoonies. <laughs> we get it. Yeah. Well, that was one of the great things when you and I first met because we became friends last year. I can't believe it's only last year because we- We have a so friend's anniversary coming up. We do have a friend's anniversary <laughs> coming up. And that was one of the things that we bonded over very quickly in the beginning, I think, was that we both- Got it. We both understood the brain fog. Yes. We both understood um, the energy levels. Drop off. And the drop off. Yeah. When it's done, it's done. You don't get more. Exactly. Do you know how many people told me to take a nap? I was like, let me tell you what to do with your nap. Oh my God. Because that's not how it works. Well, here's the thing. If you're tired because you didn't get enough sleep, sure, get more sleep. That's not why I'm tired. I'm tired because half my brain is compensating for the other half of my brain. And when I'm done, I'm done. I'm out for the day. Sleeping, it would be as if if taking a nap and getting up and doing stuff doesn't exist. It would be like telling you, a healthy person, Mm. um, to get up at four in the morning and just start your day. (laughs) I don't, yeah. I don't even know if a healthy person could do that comfortably. So, well, no, they can't. That's the point. Yeah. But, and when you have brain fatigue, you're not sleepy, tired, like you need a nap. Yeah. It's done. Yeah. The day is done. You just have fewer hours in the day. It's the spoon thing. It's, mm-hmm. it's spoon theory. But like, you, get, you get your amount of spoons and that's it. You have your seven spoons where a normal person has 25 and you just adjust to living that way, which can yeah. be. Was that hard transition for you? Yeah, I mean, look at my apartment right now. We're sitting in my apartment, yeah. and I, I have, I made food three days ago, and the dishes are here, all yeah. the pan, pots and pans, and the way that I compensate is when I can cook, it's got to be first, the first moment of the day mm. when I have the energy. Um, I'm not just making one meal; I make several meals, and I make enough to last several days. So what I'm actually doing is reheating the whole week. Yep, I do the same thing. You have to. Yeah, and I. Uh, I don't have the energy to cook and clean. Yeah. It's one or the other. Yeah. And there were times when I thought, oh, I can't bear to cook. But it's no, it's I can't bear to clean up after I cook. <laughs> well, I totally relate to that. And one of the other things that I think is great, because we have a WhatsApp chat. Yeah. And we send each other voice notes a lot. Yeah. And part of the reason we do the voice notes is because you had – so you've had two surgeries now. We'll get into that. Yeah. But um, 
we started doing the voice notes because at a certain stage, it was easier for you to listen than to be looking at a screen. Mm -hmm. And um, I love that in our voice notes to each other, we're often celebrating the small victories. Like, hey, I woke up today. Yeah, I did. I washed my hair. Hey. Yeah, it's always like, it's a big deal. It is such a big deal. When you have limited energy reserves and we're able to say like, good job. Good job for cooking. Good job for cleaning. Well done, you. Where for your average person, it's expected that you get that shit done. But for us, it's a a little bit of a different story because It's a big deal. Yeah. Life skills, surviving stuff, it's a Mm. big deal. Yeah. And most people aren't in survival mode. Yeah. And they would be considered lazy if they didn't do the dishes. I look at that and I'm like, look at me, I made some stuff. Yep. And then made really good healthy (laughs) stuff. today. <laughs> yeah. Cause if you're chopping stuff up and I have a lot of, the other thing I have in my kitchen that I want to give a big shout out to is I got a lot of gadgets. Yes. I'm a gadget freak because I can, st- and I do find it very meditative to chop vegetables, yeah. right? I can stand there and chop some vegetables, which I actually did the three days ago when I made Good this mess. Thank you. I have one of those choppers and I just stamp on it for a well, while. Well, I have a food processor and I hit buttons mm. on it. I have um, a soup blender, which blends yeah. and cooks in the same item. Um, I have, what else do I have? Slow cookers. All those slow cookers. Oh yeah. I've got slow cookers and I've, one time I made four different slow cooking things. Yeah. And that got me through a week. Yeah. And I'm dating somebody now. So now I have to make more food. It's not just me. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm not going to be like, sorry, babe. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't make enough for you. No soup for you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And she has an autoimmune disease. So Mm. I've got to be conscientious about what I'm putting in it. Yeah. And I think I'm the first person so far who gets it. Yeah. And wouldn't conceive of putting dairy in her food. Right. Or whatever it is she's not supposed to eat. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, no. And I think you're also not supposed to have soy. And she's like horrified that I know <laughs> <laughs> I know these things. But you've also become super educated as yeah. a patient, you know. Um, and it's been really interesting because you and I have been going through stuff simultaneously mm-hmm. in our journeys to health. And been able to be there for each other in really unique ways, I think. Yeah. Um, And been able to sort of, we've become educated simultaneously as well. You know, like one of us has learned about celery juice and been like, oh my God, do you know about the benefits of celery juice? Everyone drinks celery juice. Or we've learned about- Which by the way- (laughs) You love. (laughs) uh, Oh my God. I love it so much. But when I went to see my neurologist, the one who did the surgery- I'm like, okay, I got to run some quackery by you. Yeah. Because I love my quackery. And so I I run everything by him. And I mean, how would he know? He's cutting on brains all day. He's not, (laughs) you know, this isn't his area, but he's like, you know, it's a very LA thing to do. Like he doesn't want (laughs) to tell me to not do it because, hey, who can poo-poo celery juice? No, exactly. And if it gives me hope and it makes me feel better, then drink it. Well, and I also think it tastes nice. So it's sort of like, okay, fine. Like what's wrong with drinking a bunch of celery in the morning? You know, Yeah, I can handle that. Yeah, exactly. If anything, it's going to help you flush your system of whatever toxins, although it's supposed to be great for your liver. I, I think it does what it says it does. Yep. And I think that, I mean, it's celery. Nobody's claiming that it's going to cure, you know, anything in particular in, mm. immediately. Um, I mean, there are some claims, but, uh, I think that it feels good. Mm. And even if it's psychosomatic, 
Great. I'll take it. If it's a placebo effect, give me the placebo. Well, and it's not like a placebo where you're eating a bag of Skittles, you know? <laughs> like, it's a placebo where you're like buying organic celery and juicing yes. it. Like, how yeah. bad can that be for you? Fingers crossed. And if it's a step in the right direction, I'm eating a vegetable. How lovely. Yes, exactly. And it's another way to get your veggies. Yes. So there you go. Yeah. So now okay. we, we were talking about you had the first surgery. Yes. Let me tell you what the surgery is because if yeah. there are people out there who have had, who have this diagnosis, they mm-hmm. might want some more details. Yep. My doctor is Dr. Rick Friedman. Mm-hmm. And Dr. Rick Friedman is a neuroautolaryngologist. Mm. I love saying that word, which just means he's a neurosurgeon and an ENT doc. Okay. So his job is, uh, to do a, tr- what's called a trans labyrinth. Whoa. And that's when, they drill a hole in the occipital bone behind your ear. Okay. By they, I mean him. Mm. And he uh, proceeds to cut through everything there mm. uh, through the, this canal until he sees the tumor. And then when he sees the tumor, he tag teams the other neurosurgeon, which in my case this time was Dr. Schwartz, also at USC. Okay. I highly recommend these people. Okay. They're amazing. The first time we had the surgery, it was Dr. Friedman. And and you said, sorry to interrupt, you said Mm -hmm. USC, but I think you mean UCSD. Thank you. Yep. So the the first time we had it was at USC, the second time UCSD. So what happened was I loved Dr. Friedman so much. I followed him from USC to UCSD. Right. And this is important because he and Dr. Schwartz started this program and were able to tailor it to what we needed. When you get out of surgery, brain surgery, and you're in the ICU and they bring you out, maybe three days later, they bring you out of the coma. They put you in a coma for this? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, you I didn't even know. Oh, it's serious. Holy. By the way, normally when the tumor is over four inches, it's considered centimeters, sorry. It's considered <laughs> <Yeah>, inches. <laughs> it's considered inoperable. And mine was 3.8. <gasps> but what happens when it's inoperable? They just let it take well, over. Well, if it's Dr. Friedman, he might do it anyway. Okay. Because his assistant, Chris, had one that was over four oh. and she was nine months pregnant. Chris Swinick. Love her oh to death. God. She is his patient coordinator and she's extraordinary. She's helped me so much. Wow. It's really important to have a patient coordinator wherever you go. Yeah. And we're going to get into that because I know that the, speaking of labyrinths, the labyrinth that you have been through just to mm-hmm. get coverage for this is like another level. Oh, can I just say mm. that's really important. When I went to USC, mm. um, the first time for surgery, for the first surgery, which was in 2015, early 2015, I had Dr. Friedman and then the accompanying neurosurgeon was Dr. Giannata. And Dr. Giannata is still there. Great okay. doctor. Um, and I had insurance through my then wife who was at NYU. Oh. And yet I was in LA and I was able to get this procedure at USC. However, mm. we then got a divorce later that year, which is really fun to do right after brain surgery. Yeah, I bet. Gosh. So what happened was that was 2016, mm-hmm. 2017 happened. And then in 2018, when I had a follow-up MRI, by this point, I was no longer on said fancy healthcare. Right. I was on Medi-Cal. And so what I want people to know is that based on continuity of care, you can get that same surgeon. If you haven't already discovered, and I'm sure you have if you're on Medi-Cal or any kind of free healthcare, yeah. a lot of the doctors are not good. 
Hmm. Flat out not good. Hmm. The Yelp reviews are really good. Right. I'm, I was a little shocked and saddened I had to go to a Yelp review to find out stuff. But what I want you to know is that if you continue to fight, which means every time you talk to somebody on the phone who says no, you hang up and you call back. I did this for eight hours to nine hours a day for three months. Now, and this is really important to note because you were able to put the time into it. Yes. And not everyone is able to do that or may need someone to help them do that. I had a lot of the same issues partially because emotionally I couldn't even handle it. So I was always mm-hmm. amazed when you would say, you'd, you'd leave me a message at five o'clock on a Wednesday and say, well, I've just been on the phone for eight hours today and here are the inroads I've made. Mm-hmm. And you really, if you can't do it yourself and if you're not prepared to fight, Mm-hmm. That's where it's really important to get someone on team on the team with you to help you make those calls, yeah. you know, to have that yeah. community to support you. And you need the community even if you're doing it yourself, right? And it doesn't have to be one person. It can yeah. be, you know, five people who really love you and mm-hmm. don't want to see you die. Yep. And they they if they love you that much, they'll make certain calls and do stuff. Yeah. And in that case, you have to let go of the reins of how it's done. Sure. Sure. You know, some people have different personalities about stuff and yeah. You know, it might set you back a little bit dealing with certain people. But I also was up against the fact that I had no one. I had no advocate. Mm. I had to do it. And I was living off of savings Mm. and then credit cards. Yep. And I had no other choice. My only way out was to fight. And and, oh, can I just add one more thing? Please. Since we're on this roll. Mm. The California Department of Managed Health Care Mm. is how this actually happened. And you were the one who told me about them. <laughs> now, in the uh, conversations I had with my health insurance company, mm. which is HealthNet, mm. um, at some point, someone said, you can file a grievance. Yeah. And that went right over my head because I was exhausted. Yeah. And I didn't have anything left. It actually took you telling me, file a grievance. And so then I did. And then someone said uh, at the health insurance company, you can also do this outside of the health insurance company with a California and then I but just This was me. I else. told you. You told me it's that you, after they, because you, you I heard it from you. Yeah. But I didn't hear it when they told me. Oh, interesting. I wasn't listening because I was too tired. Yeah. So I want everyone who hears this to remember that this organization exists in California. It may exist in your state or your country. And their job, their sole job is to imp- implore – Hmm. health insurance companies to do the right thing. Wow. It's a worthy job to have, isn't it? It really is, but they won't do it just based on their moral compass. What they're going to do is look for facts. Mm -hmm. So I went to a neurologist that was within my Medi-Cal plan who insisted on my getting another MRI when I just had one that said I have this tumor that grew back Wow. the second time. And they, in terms of growing back, is that a common occurrence? Oh, that's another thing. If you're listening to this and you have an acoustic aroma, this is not common. This is really, really, really unusual. Okay. Unpredictable, spontaneous. It It's so rare. Double winner. I'm a double winner. <laughs> yeah. So uh, what happened was I got this second MRI and this guy was a quack. He looked mm-hmm. up acoustic aroma on the, doc, on the uh, computer. So he didn't even know what he was dealing with. He didn't know what he was dealing with. He... I won't go into all of the things that he said that were ridiculous, mm. but- he just wanted to like stick his finger in it. So he yeah. insisted I get an – well, you know what? It's a good thing I did get an MRI because it showed that within five weeks of having the first MRI, 
it had grown 20%. So I was able to send this information to the um, senior counsel at the California Department of Managed Healthcare and say, according to this, this tumor will be inoperable in two months. You need to decide and you need to do it now. Yeah. So you lit a fire under their ass. I did. You know, and the guy still tried to, he still said to me, you know, it, it's, we're not your personal attorneys, mm-hmm. yada, yada. And I said, you know, as a consumer, oh, he said, I'm, I, we're here to protect the consumers, blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, you know, as a consumer, I'm very disappointed in that. Yeah, good for you. And someone taught me that well, like, years ago. But I think it's also like, it's understanding not only as a patient with rights, but mm. also I think very particularly as a woman mm-hmm. that it's okay to express your discontent. And I think we are particularly women, again, you know, we're taught to be small and it's about learning to take up more space and yeah. learning to to stand up when someone's not giving you yeah. what you pay for. And not only that, take up the space with your emotions. Mm. We are not hysterical. No. These emotions are valid. Yeah. And just because men may not lead with emotion when they're asserting themselves doesn't mean that's superior. Yeah. So I did put on some coolness there, though. I, yeah. I, I really reined it in and I said, I, I am disappointed to hear that because as a consumer, I contribute to this. Yeah. I've contributed to this plan my whole life. And now mm-hmm. I'm, I'm in need of it. And what I need is for someone to stand up to this health insurance company. Yeah. And based on continuity of care and the fact that this will be inoperable in two months, make it happen. Mm. So, so and he did. He, he did. Yeah. He okay. absolutely did. Thank well, you, Ryan. That was and that was so lucky because I remember every day there'd be an update. Okay, I, I got through to this person and she didn't want to help me, and I got through to that person and he didn't want to help me. And you came up against a lot of people who were, to be fair, for the most part trying to do their jobs, but not fully understanding your case or willing to hear you out. Um, and came across a lot of roadblocks because of that. Actually, it wasn't so much they didn't know my case or want to understand it or hear me out. It was that they didn't know the law mm. and how to apply it with their job. So you had to it teach It was them. I actually didn't know either. Yeah. What I what I did was I literally hung up with people eight times a day yeah. and picked right back up and called and just got someone else. And at the three month mark I got a woman who said, oh, Dr. Friedman, okay, so this is who did this first surgery the first time? Yes. Oh, and you just want to go to him again? Yes. Oh, yeah. have you seen him in the last year? Yes. Oh, continuity of care. Hold on. Click, 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 click. Okay. <laughs> but it took you a couple months to get that okay. Three. Because she said, oh, it's just a form. Hold on. Oh, click, click, click. And she filled it out and sent it in, and suddenly I had continuity of care. So the key here is education, isn't it? It's knowing what your rights are mm-hmm. so that you can actually tell people when they're violating them. Yeah. And also acknowledging that these folks, they didn't go to school for this job. Sure. There is no program. No. They don't know. Mm. And to be as generous and kind to them as possible because they're marking all that down in your file. Yeah. <laughs> 
lucky they had you on the other end of the phone. I would have been mad. <laughs> well, yeah, I just thought, you know, I don't know. How can I expect them to know? Yeah. And well, I've been in a call center. Well, it's also, I've been in a call center before. So yeah. I understand that we're never trained enough. Mm. But if I go through the ranks and I got several people several times, mm. there were a few people that I had several times like, oh yeah, we talked uh, yesterday at three o'clock. Yeah. And take notes of that and remember who their names are and mm -hmm. so that you can create that repartee as well. It's true. Yeah. Mm. It's just like any other business. Yeah. So here's what – speeding it back up. Yeah. Dr. Friedman, Dr. Schwartz, they did my second surgery, which mm. was totally different okay. because the um, opening was already there. I had a steel plate – or. Was it? It wasn't a steel plate, but a plate platform where they yeah. had. Yeah, he just had to unscrew it, take it off, go in, <laughs> like it's so take easy it out, doing brain surgery. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but the difference was, since they started this program there, they could make these subtle changes. Mm. Wherein at USC, good grief, you you can't you cannot tolerate light and sound. You're throwing up nonstop, first of all, because oh, you only have one inner ear. Yeah. So you throw up nonstop and then you're trying so desperately to recover. And somebody on the other side of this curtain in your hotel, in your hotel room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'd be nice uh, if it were a hotel room, yeah. Um, is talking. Their guests are talking. People coming in out doing things and the noise is just insufferable. Yeah. And then the light, they want to turn on all the lights all the time, but you can't tolerate these mm. things. And then they're slamming the door all the time because that's how you open and close the door in <laughs> hospitals. <laughs> yeah. So- at UC San Diego, hmm. the doors don't open and close in that way. They slide shut and they ever so gently go, whoop. So it's just those little differences that they're really sensitive to. It's airtight. Hmm. It's soundproof. Oh, wow. And you have a button to lower the shades. Oh. And nobody's in the room with you. That's this Probably was bliss. like going to a five-star hotel. Yeah. It was incredible. And of course, these two are known to be some of the best, if not the best, in surgeons the for this procedure. Wow. So you're very lucky that you found them in the first instance and that you were able to work with them in the second instance, but it did take a fight. Oh, yeah. Insurance. And that, that has to do with Medi-Cal. Yeah. You know, and what I tell everybody now is when you find a specialist – for your invisible illness, mm. um, make sure you're going to them at least twice a year. So you will always be qualified for continuity of care. That's this really will never have to be your struggle ever. Yeah. I love that. Now you, you mentioned that you didn't have an advocate. This Did time not around. have an advocate. My ex-wife was my advocate the first time around. Okay. And, um, and the second time it was really you, yeah. but, but would you say that because you've mentioned that like you had community in these Facebook groups and obviously we were all like checking in on you and, you know, you got yeah. people to like, drive you out to San Diego and stuff. So yeah. you were able to still create a community around yourself. Oh, yeah, yeah. So like I did the heavy lifting in terms of advocacy with doctors. Oh, I yeah. didn't even tell you the horrible primary doctor I had. Good uh -oh. grief. If something didn't come down on a pull down menu oh, <laughs> when they were trying to submit referral request, you know, they were just like, nope, you're out of luck. What what is someone supposed to do now? In that case, what did you do? Did you find another primary doctor? It's just well, eventually I did, but in the middle of all of this, I simply couldn't. So I had the health insurance company call them and walk them through how to send a fax. Oh, good grief! Good grief indeed. So what what was what they were unable to get mm. them to do 
in time for the surgery was to get this approval for what's called a bone anchored hearing device. And this is really annoying because it means I'm that you're going to have to have a second <laughs> surgery in order to get the hearing device implanted, correct? Yeah. Or yeah. a third surgery at this point. Yeah. So the idea was um, that you, so you had the first surgery in 2015, 2016, mm-hmm. 2016. Um, to remove the tumor. Right. They got the tumor out. Then it, well, back. most of it, most of they it. They can't ever take it all out because it's around the facial nerve and it could cause nerve damage. Right. Yeah. Although some people actually, they catch it before it hits the facial nerve. If and you're worried, if you're listening to this and you have an acoustic neuroma, please know that no two uh, neuromas grow the same, the mm. same direction, size, width, reach for whatever. They just don't. Mm. And, um, if, if you have hearing loss, but it hasn't hit your facial nerve yet, good grief. Get it taken care of before it does because. Right. The problem I'm having now is that I will always have some on my facial nerve. I will always have numbness and drooling and dry eye. And I have this patch behind my nose where it's dried out. So I always have like a uh, skin that peels off and dries and is bloody. And like, mm. not only that, but they can continue to divide and grow and they're clinging to my facial nerve. And I can never take it off. It's I have five millimeters left. So it, does that mean that you may have to have surgery again? If it grows, Yeah. So you are monitoring this with regular MRIs. Mm-hmm. So it's really amazing to me because you're so strong about it and so like um, resolved with <laughs> fighting it, you know. But were you so scared when you found out that? No, you had a I was tumor? so tired. Yeah, I was so tired. So in a way, that the the fatigue is actually useful that way because it prevented you from the extra stress of being scared <laughs> shitless, right? <laughs> Yeah. In in all the conversations we've had about it, you've never been scared and you've never mm-hmm. been a- afraid of charging forward. That's one thing that I've really noted about the way that you've approached this entire experience. I would say a lot of that comes from not having a safety net. Hmm. I was disowned for being gay at a very young age. Hmm. So I know that it's all on me. Hmm. There's no There's no one else to reach for. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? This, this is different now. I have since been repossessed and things are fine. Right. But, um, but I it think gave that you a toughness. it gave me this um, resolve, like you said. Yeah. I get it done. It's me. Yeah. Which is, though it came out of sad circumstances, it's also mm-hmm. really empowering. Yeah. And I have to say really inspiring because you would leave me a message saying I made all these calls and I'd be like, Wow. I can make calls like Sonora, Sonora doing this stuff. I can do it. I can do it because you were able to do it. Um, so I'll say that even though you felt like you didn't necessarily have an advocate, we were all obviously behind you and like, Oh yeah. You Let me roll that so back much. then. I, I got to roll that back because I meant like an advocate on the phone saying, no, give course. me this now. But really I could not have done this without my friends. Yeah. They, you and Camille and Whitney and, and Claire and all of my friends that came hmm. forward to help me. Yeah. It was remarkable. It was really remarkable. Well, and we did things like we had like a meditation circle for you. And yeah. We, I mean, which was great. You actually organized it. Because, I did. <laughs> because Sonora also does crystal healing, which is really remarkable. Um, and, you know, um, I, I think that that's something that's probably in a lot of ways given you like a center from which to yeah. work and meditate and, you know, and I also need something you- physical. Like I, yeah. it's one thing for me to say a prayer and to believe in angels or 
you know, that I'm still connected to my loved ones who have passed away mm. or these things that I can't see. Yeah. But sound, and interestingly enough, I have an acoustic neuroma and I'm deaf on one side now, yeah. but I still feel the vibrations of sound. I still consider it healing. And that's a big part of healing for me. Yeah. And meditating. Like I, as I, I'm also a Buddhist and mm-hmm. I have a practice called SGI, which is Soka Gakkai. It's um, a Japanese, everything's in Japanese. Mm. And we chant. Yeah. Because we believe in the power of healing with vibration. So I, you know, that's, that's the stuff I do. Yeah. But I, I need friends in my life and I need, I need to be able to call people and check in and be accountable um, yeah. outside of myself. That was, and, and by people who get it, like I, the people that I'm talking about all have invisible illnesses. Mm, or, or know people who have them or have loved ones who, yeah. This episode is sponsored by Ember Wave, the intelligent bracelet that helps control how you experience temperature. I'm heat sensitive because of my Hashimoto's and medications, and this device has been a lifesaver. Using patented technology, it cools or warms the temperature-sensitive skin on your wrist, creating a natural response in your body and mind that helps you thermally adjust in minutes. The Wave was selected by Time Magazine as one of 2018's best inventions, But because the technology is new, it can be pricey. So for those of you with mounting medical costs to consider, the team at Ember offer a payment plan in partnership with a firm. And because you also listen to Uninvisible, they're offering you $30 off. Go to emberlabs.com, that's E-M-B-R labs.com, enter code INVISIBLE at checkout, and experience personal thermal wellness on a whole new level with me. So... We, we, I mean, I know I mentioned that you do crystal healing and, and through all of this, you were putting so much work into making all these phone calls and like mm-hmm. navigating the system, if you will. <laughs> um, how are you able to balance the demands of work and life mm-hmm. with being somebody who only has so many spoons? Uh, first of all, crystal wise, carnelian. I highly carnelian. recommend carnelian. Um, and if you need to buy crystals. <laughs> I'm at the Hidden Gem WeHo, as in West Hollywood. The Hidden Gem WeHo on Instagram. You'll find all my stuff we'll there. Link, we'll link to you on the okay. <laughs> on the website as well. I actually started making these things called crystal grids, and it's mm. what we call sacred geometry, these 22 shapes that happen all through nature. And uh, this is like 4,000-year-old designs that mm. have just been always in use in architecture and design everything. Um, and I burn them on these planks of wood, these wood rounds. They're beautiful. That- I love them so much. And it's a great way to display your crystals, but also when you want to set an intention, mm. it's very powerful. And carnelian is a stone of action. Yeah. So I would I would start with my mindset. I would start with a prayer. I would start with my mental health first. Mm. And um, in terms of balancing work, I when I was recovering from the first surgery, which would have been 2016 to 2017, Mm. um, I was very concerned about auditioning because I'm also an actor and Mm. memorizing lines and gosh, yeah. You know, I had to book out for a while and then I booked back in and I thought, well, how am I ever going to go back to my survival gig, which is as a paralegal? Mm. Um, it just wasn't feasible at first. So I had been doing these sound baths and buying crystals and I loved it so much. I started, um, I started buying them wholesale and then selling them. So it became a business sort of by happenstance, by accident, yeah. if you will. And that managed to 
give you a purpose other than your health when you got out of bed in the morning, yes. but also give you a job that you could control the hours of. Correct. Yeah. Because I only had so many hours in the day. Mm-hmm. So like you asked, how do I balance or manage? There's no such thing. Yeah. It's what do I say no to? Right. So I said no to, I would say like 80 to 90% of my friends mm-hmm. because I, I only have so much energy. Yeah. Um, and that's heartbreaking. Um, I said no to auditioning for a long time. Yeah. Um, I actually said no to my commercial agent. I said, I just had a hard heart and I said, you know, my heart's not in this. Yeah. Um, I love you guys and I would love to book a commercial, but, um, I don't want to right now. Mm. I want to heal. And they got it. Um, I, I had to be willing to spend a day in bed. Yeah. Which is huge. That's so hard when you're super independent and, um, when you're kind of a badass, like you are, you know, like when you're used (laughs) to being able to like go out into the world and own your shit to, to wake up some days and be like, I just can't today. And the number of phone calls that I've had with you where we've both been like, today, I just, I just let myself be. And it's really hard to wrap your head around that. Yes. Um, so how did you get there mentally? Well, I didn't have a choice. Um, I went from being someone who produced and performed um, theater and short film mm. and indie indie stuff um, and network television. Mm. Um, and I'm also a writer. So I went from doing all of that stuff and juggling a trademark paralegal position mm. um, to not being able to put my clothes away after I folded them. I mean, the fact that I got them out of the dryer was incredible. Yeah. But who knows if I could actually fold them. I would sometimes just shove them on the shelf. But then I had clean clothes and that was a big victory. Yeah. And what helped me was actually my friend Camille saying, our friend Camille Mm. saying- Who's going to be on the show too. (laughs) You know, when you do have extra energy, Mm. let it go to healing your brain. Mm. Don't do the chores. It's a really loving thing to say. It reminds me I'm working hard. I'm healing. And it takes as long as it takes. And that's that. And I know that when I'm healed, my brain will serve me well. And one of the things that we did do as well when you went for your second surgery was that we created sort of like a group where every day someone was checking on you. And like some days Camille would come and cook you something or, you know, Whitney would come and do your laundry for you. Or, yeah. so like there were, there were people helping you with mundane activities that helped you get through the day. And I couldn't physically do them. I I went downstairs. So this part you're talking about like just after the surgery. This is the second surgery. Yes, this was just after the surgery. Now you're doing it yourself, but it's still- But at that time, I remember my friend Claire came over and she bought me, she brought me groceries. Mm. Some things were ready-made and some things I just had to boil. But I had gone down that morning because I thought, you know, I'm two weeks out. I'm doing great. I can go down the stairs and put my laundry in. Mm. Well, I could put it in, but I couldn't get it out. <laughs> so I asked her, would you mind um, just bringing it up? I have an air dry, like I have one of those drying racks. I can just yeah. put the things on there. So that was a real humbling moment. But how do I, how do I really manage life after brain surgery? Mm-hmm. Um, I let the brain surgery come first. Yeah. And you I let just your brain do. come first. Yeah. I let it come first. And also I can always pull out the brain surgery card. <laughs> I had to <laughs> yeah. I I needed to um I uh not cancel but suspend my actors equity stage union sure. membership. And I never did. 
So I'm over $400 oh. behind in dues. Oh, gosh. But you know, all I really have to do is say, I had brain surgery. I forgot. Yeah. Do you and mind? It's okay. Yeah. You know, so. Well, that's the nice thing about the actors' unions. They tend to really understand about stuff like that, too. Like they're. But everybody should. Everybody should. But that, and that's the really big point here. And Everyone we shouldn't should have to say brain surgery. No. We no. should be able to say whatever it is. Without yeah. anybody understanding what it, and I say brain surgery is a shorthand because nobody's heard of acoustic neuroma. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But sometimes I have to remind myself, oh yeah, you just had the second brain surgery of four months ago. Yeah. Like this was well, August that's the 28th amazing thing too, and it's January. Well, and we, we've talked about that a lot too, about like, we've all remarked how, how quickly you healed. Like it's mm-hmm. the first few weeks were kind of shaky and there was like an emergency room trip and oh yeah actually there were a couple things i i want to talk about yeah like the brain leak and i stuff, had a right? brain leak which again is incredibly rare mm. and you can't prevent it if you're listening to this don't panic yeah it's not something there are certain things they tell you not to do to avoid mm. what's called a csf a craniospinal uh fluid, fluid leak. Yeah. yeah it'll come out your ear down your nose whatever but here's the thing don't panic. It didn't happen to me the first time. It almost never happens. It happened to me the second time. I'm okay. Yeah. And when I went for my one week follow up, they tested, they saw me with a box of tissues and were like, uh oh. Ah. And I was like, oh yeah, I've just got a runny nose, but don't worry. We ruled out a CSF leak before I left the hospital. They told me I'm okay. And no, Dr. Schwartz was like, nope, lean forward. Nope. Uh, Nope. You need to book a hotel. You're staying overnight. We're putting you in the hospital and you're going to have the surgery. I will say the reason why there's so so much alarm around it and they're constantly checking for it is that the the nerves in your inner ear mm. are it's so tender, it's so painful that when they actually have to graft skin mm. in your inner ear to plug up and tie off this leak, it's more painful than brain surgery. In terms of the healing. Yeah. Okay. The yeah, because you did have agony. a lot of pain. Yeah. It was so bad that I never got ahead of the pain. I was never lower than an eight, and I didn't know what morphine was. <laughs> well, and when, when you say you were never lower than an eight, we're talking about a pain scale of one to one 10. One to ten. Yeah, which is very common for people with chronic pain or um, if you're experiencing pain like we ended up in the emergency room one night yes. because your pain was so bad that you couldn't manage it. And I remember having a conversation with you then, when, and you were a little loopy because you were in such agony. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they started giving you morphine. <laughs> so that helped with and the And then I started chuckling and then Whitney yeah. brought cupcakes. And before <laughs> I knew it, you guys. We had a party. If you don't know what morphine is, I'm just going to tell you right now. If you can't get your pain below whatever is comfortable for you. Yes. Then after two days, oh my gosh, go to the ER. Yeah. Because they're the only ones who can give it to you. And it's the only thing that really worked. And after that, I had no problem. Well, and that was the thing is that it, for you, there was a journey when we were sitting in the emergency room of acknowledging that the level of pain you were at was no longer comfortable for you and, and recognizing what your pain tolerance was, Mm. because I think, and again, (laughs) this is a very female thing, right? Mm -hmm. That we, we tend to sort of go, it's okay. I can, I can live through this. It's okay. I can push through this. Or, Hey, I didn't know there was another option. Yeah. I didn't ask. And partly I was in too much pain. And there's one more level. In addition to like the woman treatment that we got, mm. redheads, I'm a redhead. I'm a natural redhead. And this goes for strawberry blondes and auburns because you're half. Mm. Um, 
Part of the mutation on gene 22 that gives us red hair and a lack of melanin also gives us 20% more pain receptors. Holy shit. People have been telling us our whole lives that we're too sensitive. No, we're not. We're exactly as sensitive as we should be when we have 20% more pain receptors. That's crazy. How did you find that out? Your Wikipedia. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to wiki the redheads. (laughs) Um, No, the truth is I have friends who are nurses and and in the field. And when that study was released, uh, they sent it to me. Wow. And I now have to – well, I don't anymore, actually. But – 20 years ago, I had to carry around a printed, a printout Stop. of the study and the finding so to that prove it to I would, get, yeah, because they wouldn't give me enough anesthesia. For what though? Like just for, well, general- I had a, um, I had skin cancer on my eyelid and they wouldn't give me, after that, I, they wouldn't it, give you anesthesia to remove? Not it? enough anesthesia. Oh, come on. He would not give me enough anesthesia. I mean, I understand the risks involved there too, because it's like if you give someone too much anesthesia, it could cause longer term. Not, if, not if it's topical. Problem. Well, yeah, that's and that's a problem. I wow. mean, the guy was a masochist. <laughs> yeah, wow. or a sadist. Sorry. Sadist, sadist. Yeah. yeah. So that brings me to another question, which is: How often are you confronted and like forced to justify the fact that you are dealing with an invisible illness, but nobody else can see it? Only in doctors' offices. Mm. And this is a special little treat <laughs> <laughs> because when I'm out and about, no one can tell. Yeah. And I do have to, I've had to educate my family on a constant basis, like repeating the information of mm. I'm missing half my vestibular system. I don't need a nap. I'm going to bed until tomorrow. Yeah. Like I've had to repeat that quite a, a, a lot. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I, I would say, honestly, it's just doctors who don't understand mm. because it's not their specialty. Sure. So the same way I have to educate my family, I won't ever get fatigued of that because they're my family. Yeah. Right. But I have no patience for doctors who can't remember that twice. Yeah. I walked in with a cane one time and this terrible doctor that I went to in West Hollywood goes, what is that? Why do you have a cane? Uh, (laughs) I said, oh. Because I need it. I said, oh, because I have an acoustic neuroma. It's a brain tumor in my inner ear. And she goes, oh, oh, yes, of course I remember. Like she brushed me off and I was like, I'm going to treat her as gently as I would my mother mm. and just explain it all over again. Oh, well, well why, why do you have these problems? Oh, because I only have half a vestibular system. So half of my brain is working twice as hard. So it craps out halfway through the day. So napping doesn't regenerate. It would be mm. akin to me telling you to get up at 1 a.m. and go to work. Mm. So I'm, you know, it was awful. So you've really <laughs> developed a lot of patience and and coping mechanisms though for dealing with idiots. <laughs> They're being willfully ignorant. Yeah. You know, and it tells me that they have fatigue of their own job. They can't tolerate one more thing they can't fix. And do you think that's a failing of the healthcare system that no, it's pushing it's them human. too hard? It's no, human. no, no, it's just human. Okay. Like no one can memorize all that stuff. Yeah. And also at this rate, people can't recover from their day. Yeah. You know, people are overstimulated all day. They go home. They can't recover. And they're looking at screens all day and that doesn't help things either. Yeah. And I mean, social media and, ooh. I mean, people are not recovering from their day. Well, and there's also the concept of compassion fatigue, which um, Mm -hmm. I know a lot of doctors get treated for, you know, that they spend so much time caring for others that they lose sight of themselves as well. So they have to, you know, create boundaries and, and- Limits. Do that balancing act. Yeah. They have to put limits on their giving. Mm. You know, they have to do it. And 
And you have to also put limits on your giving to them as well. And what I can take. You know, I remember actually saying to the referral person who submits referrals and refused to submit a manual referral by fax, I said, Marina, this is your job. This is the only thing you do. (laughs) And you are the only one who can do it. Which I suppose at the time was probably a little bit empowering for her. So maybe it yeah. tipped the scales, right? It was it was the thing that made her do the thing. Yeah. And switching doctors isn't always the answer, especially if you're dealing with Medi-Cal because they're all going to be bottom of the barrel. Well, and it's not even that. It's also that continuity of care thing, isn't it? It's like the minute you change doctors, you're going to have to like see them for a general physical to get the referral and you're going to have to go through the yeah. process yeah. of referrals all over again. And part of that is also reliving the trauma of what you're yeah. going through because you're constantly <laughs> having to retell your story, which can be fatiguing in and of itself. Yeah. Um, and I know I've mentioned this on on previous episodes, but the tip I got for that is write it down and then just say, see attached whenever you're filling out the form so that- Yeah, I do that. Yeah, which yeah. is so smart because- then you don't have to worry about retelling the story every time. You can let the doctors ask you questions once you're in and the exam room. It helps them save face because every time they see you, they don't remember what's wrong with of you. Not. They just remember it's something they don't remember because they've never heard of it before. Yeah. You know? And so they can look and say, oh, right, this is that thing. Okay. Well, and I mean, I even had a um, an experience yesterday. I was visiting one of my doctors and um, she said, okay. I barely slept last night. My kid was in the ER, you know, like I had a, a crazy 24 hours. Forgive me. I'm, I'm running on coffee today. Can you just catch me up on what we last talked about? And I was like, no problem. Yeah, I you can. Know? And she also makes the time for me. So I'm like, yeah, yeah I know we're going to be in here for half an hour, 40 minutes talking about this stuff. Mm-hmm. I got no problem catching you up again, as long as you're real with me about what you can process right now. Yeah. And that level of honesty is very human. Yep. And very relatable. Um, so yeah, we can work with that. Yes. She's made an actual genuine attempt to connect. Yeah. And that's what a good doctor does. Yeah. Agreed. Not someone who says, why do you have a cane? Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, I had a <laughs> brain tumor. Yeah. So um, w- one of the things we mentioned earlier um, when I introduced you was that you also are the loved one of people with invisible illness. Mm. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what yes. that is in your life? Well, yeah, actually. Um, and this is a really, I just want to honor it by saying this is a really brave thing that you're doing by talking about it as well. So um, I have a lot of people in my family who compulsively numb out to escape pain hmm. um, that they cannot handle uh, through addictions, addictive behaviors. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of addiction in my family and a lot of pain, to hmm. be honest. And um, I have often said that Let's just go with alcohol, first of all. Um, alcohol helps some people in my family numb out. It mm. doesn't make me feel less. It makes me feel more. Mm. <laughs> so I'm not an alcoholic. Yeah. Um, and that's totally lottery. That's just the genetic lottery. You got the brain tumor instead. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I go to a support group called Al-Anon, which is simply short for Alcoholics Anonymous, but it is mm. in fact not Alcoholics Anonymous. Mm. It's its own support group. Um, started by the wife of the man who started Alcoholics Anonymous. Mm. His name was Bill W. And his wife's name was Lois. Mm. So people who are in AA and want to maintain their anonymity, but want to see if you need that kind of support and suspect it, will say, I'm a friend of Bill's. Right? 
And the way we say it is, I'm a friend of Lois. Mm. So um, the reason why we don't hear a lot of this on podcasts or in the media is it's part of our program to maintain our anonymity, mm. to um, to not talk about it in public on media, which sure. yes, I acknowledge I am doing at this moment. But so it's, we're you're also it, doing it as – we're going to keep it – fairly anonymous in terms of who we're talking about, but not only that, you're also, you're also doing it as a service to others who may not even know about the existence of the organization. Well, it has helped me so much Mm. through, so you bring your problems to the program and the program to your problems. That's a great saying. Mm. If you need support for an invisible illness, shockingly, you can get it out of a 12 step program (laughs) and you do not have to be an addict to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you can just be profoundly and deeply affected by people who compulsively numb out through alcohol, prescription pills, uh, love addiction, sex addiction, gambling, under earning, over earning, workaholism, mm-hmm. you name it. However, they're numbing out. Mm-hmm. That absence is very painful. Mm-hmm. Um, so a big part of my recovery from my well being from my brain tumor has been through Al Anon. Mm-hmm. And, um, it is an anonymous program. We had, we bought a billboard. We rented a billboard <laughs> through the holidays. Mm-hmm. So we do have some media. Yeah. It's like, you know, if you're affected by someone's problem drinking, um, you're or welcome here, yeah. that sort of thing. And, um, I know mom is on TV and they, it's all about AA. Oh, I love wow. that show. And you were on that and show. And I was on that show. How <laughs> <Yeah>. fitting. <laughs> it's great. Um, yeah. so they don't actually, um, like reveal any kind of like steps or slogans or actual, sure. you know, stuff. They make Go up to different a meeting savings. if you're curious. Go to a meeting, find one. Well, you can Google Al-Anon or any of those 12-step meetings and see what it's about. But it's really when you go and you sort of meet the people and you see heart to heart, like what people are like, that if it's a good fit. And, mm-hmm. um, and you're not alone, which is huge. And you're not alone. Mm-hmm. And it's not just about some other person's behavior. It's actually about your own. Sure. So a big part of how I'm able to cope and move forward is um, the accountability that I have found from my behavior yeah. in Alana. We don't go for other people. Sure. Some people may think they're showing up there to like get someone to stop taking, you know, prescription pills or abusing alcohol. Mm. But actually you end up staying to put the focus on your own life, your own behavior. And your reaction to it because that's and the only reaction thing you can to control. It. That and how you heal. Mm. So we often learn to be the kind of loving parent we need in that moment for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And what better thing for an invisible illness than to like have an imaginary loving parent in your head, which ends up just being you, by the way, (laughs) (laughs) that takes care of you. Like Mm. there are times now that I say to myself, you know, what is the most loving thing I can do right now? You've really enhanced my ability just through my relationship with you, my ability to be able to say that to myself too. Aww. And I think it's because it's a huge learning curve because yeah. we're taught by the media to shame ourselves, mm-hmm. you know, and learning self-compassion for a lot of us, at least I can say in my experience, it's freaking hard. Well, it's repetitive. Yeah. And it's repetitive in the same way that we were wired to shame ourselves. Now we are rewiring ourselves, but that requires unwiring the old stuff first. Is, you've got to unpack it. Or maybe at the same time, I guess. Yeah. We're doing it all at the same time. Yeah. I think that sort of process becomes a little more organic, like it yeah. happens simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So but isn't it interesting how it all like breeds out from there? Mm-hmm. You know, we, we find people who are loving. Um, who we relate to, who see us. You didn't have to have an invisible illness 
for me to feel validated by you, but you yeah. did. Yeah. And so our friendship is even that much richer. Yeah. And then we both get into celery juice and <laughs> AIP diet yeah. and all of these things. Speaking of which, I have some soup in there if you're hungry. <laughs> I may just have a snack. I know it's AIP friendly. So. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, we, we've, we've gone on different journeys together. And I think at the root of it all, it's about our own well-being, being in our own hands, um, as much as it is, uh, in our own hands, um, taking charge of that in a mm-hmm. loving way. And being able to offer the same compassion to others. Yeah. Which is huge because there's probably, I would probably say, and not probably, I would definitely say there's not enough empathy in this world and we could always use some more of it. Well, people are, Losing their empathy when they lose connection and they've lost connection through technology. And technology is starting to make up for it by giving us things like WhatsApp. Mm -hmm. Um, Not only do I have single-sided deafness, but I have a weakness on my left side, on my left hand that I've just never recovered. Oh, by the way, before Mm. I forget, I want to give a shout out to um, the Neuroskills Center in Encino. Okay. So there are three Neuroskills Centers, Mm -hmm. um, but the one I went to is in Encino. And they did a test, a series of tests for me, a lot of them actually, to narrow which, to narrow down which parts of my brain were affected. Mm. And then they, they gave me specific exercises that they've come up with to rehabilitate my body and my brain. So it's like physical therapy for your brain. It's called brain therapy. Ah, And if you don't know about it, most, most doctors don't know about it. We'll link to that. Yeah. So if you're listening to this and you've had an acoustic neuroma, neuroma, they all sort of push into different places in the brain and you're going to need to know what, what are affected. You don't want to just do random brain games. Mm. You really want to know which one's target. For me, it was speed, um, speed processing. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Processing speed Mm. and efficiency of processing. Mm. I did not have memory issues. I didn't lose my IQ points. Mm. I cried the day I learned that those things were safe. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I highly, highly recommend. And my health insurance covered almost all of that when I went. That's great. And they sent me off with um, loads of puzzles to continue to do. And And there's actually a puzzle sitting on the table. (laughs) (laughs) And I have several up there that I pull down and I I love to do them. Mm. Um, But you don't love to do them at first, but it's how your brain recovers. And usually that's not part of um, the process, you do what's called vestibular therapy, which is physical, and it just mm. makes you want to throw up oh, yeah. and then go to sleep for 12 hours. But it's necessary because it helps with your vestibular, you know, system trying to comp, you know, compensate. Okay. Um, but that was really important. And I did that after the first surgery. I didn't need it as much after the second because it was, this tumor was so much smaller. Well, and because I suppose it's like a muscle memory thing. You'd gone through it once before. So, yeah. um, and you know what I wanted to circle back to as well is that you're still working on getting the bone anchored hearing device, right? Yes. So the other thing that is unique to our diagnosis is that we have single-sided deafness, SSD for short, and we can't put in hearing aids because there's nothing, there's no hearing to amplify. They've mm. removed the entire inner ear. And for the love of God, I cannot get any doctor to understand that unless they are an audiologist who specializes in bone anchored hearing devices. People Which are just don't understand. Find, I'm sure. They're almost impossible to find. Um, I had to go through the same 
rigmarole mm. with the referrals not being in a pull down menu. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and going to Christine Volker. Okay. Whom I'm seeing tomorrow. Oh, so this is moving along. Cool. After three months, mm. I finally um, got it approved. It's, of course, out of network, but she's at USC. Okay. And um, I, the first thing you have to do is actually go to an audiologist who specializes in bone-angered hearing devices tests. Sure. And it's an evaluation. And so what many health insurances – or not health insurances, but doctors who are lame will do is continue <laughs> to send you to – um, audiologists to do hearing aid tests. I'm like, we already know I'm deaf on the side. There's nothing in there to test because they've removed the inner yeah. ear. <laughs> so Get with the program guys, you will bang your head against the wall for a while mm-hmm. until people exhaust every audiologist in, in town, the system. <laughs> yeah. In their neck yeah. of town. Uh, and then insist on going outside of network mm. to get somebody who will give you the hearing evaluation right. for a bone anchored hearing device, also called a Baja. Oh, a Baja. And there's more than one. Mm-hmm. So what I'm doing tomorrow is I'm going in to try out the cochlear mm-hmm. and there's something else. I forget what it's called. There's another brand, but ultimately okay. it's something that is surgically implanted, um, probably punctured or sliced depending on actually punctured or sliced, depending on which brand you get. Mm. And then there's an abutment. That sits outside of your skull? Uh-huh. So it would be outside your skin as well? It would be like yeah. visible? It's a snap. Wow. So I have this little gadget that I then snap on. And suddenly, anything I hear on my left side will be transmitted through the bone in my skull to my other ear. So, So then it would just give you super hearing in your right ear? Or it would make it feel like because of the vibrations. It would be as if you had a speaker and a microphone. And the microphone is in front of your deaf, useless ear, Mm -hmm. (laughs) transmitting to your speaker in your right ear. Wow. And you can get a hearing aid set that is a speaker and a microphone, which I had for a while, Mm. but unfortunately, somebody stole it. What? It was in the armrest in my car, and I valeted the car, and somebody just saw hearing aids and stole them. Are they very valuable? $5,000. Okay. Yep. I can understand why they would have stolen that. And mine were covered by health insurance at the time. Right. Now, do you think that this Baja will be covered by insurance this time around? Yes, because Medi-Cal covers 100% when something is- That's really lucky. Yeah. Um, So- I know we sort of went off topic because we were talking about Al-Anon and now we're talking about Oh, yeah. (laughs) But I want you to know that they're that um, enmeshed. Yeah. (laughs) They really are. I mean, I'm – and when I say I don't have a safety net, I mean I don't have my nuclear family the way one would if they lived next door or in the same town or even the same state. Mm. You know, I have chosen family and a lot of that – these are people from Al-Anon. These Mm. are people from my close friends. Yeah. And it's really important. And we don't realize, by the way, how deeply impacted we are by other people's invisible illnesses, including addiction, which according to the American Medical Association is a mental illness. Mm -hmm. We don't realize how impacted we are until we take a little space from it. And sometimes what that looks like is stop trying to control them Mm. and get them to stop drinking. Yeah. Stop cleaning up their messes. Yeah. Stop begging them to get sober. 
And then there's a little bit of relief, panic, <laughs> and then we might um, begin to learn to recover from the effects. Sometimes when people abuse alcohol, they abuse us. Yeah. They neglect themselves. They neglect us. Yeah. And it's really painful. So we've got to go to psychotherapy. We've got to go to sound baths. We've got mm-hmm. to start yoga. We've got to learn to walk and, you know, admire nature and journal and pray. And, uh, yeah. and if you don't pray, meditate or whatever, whatever gr- gratitude about. list, mm-hmm. you got to do something now all of a sudden because you have time. Yeah. You know? Well, and, and that's one of the things that you've really prioritized in your life is your own healing and working on yourself and yeah. taking responsibility for that in a really compassionate way. Um, and it's, as your friend, really beautiful to see you do it and to then also be able to follow your example. Um, so Thank you. Yeah. And of course. And I, I, I would encourage anyone who has addiction in their family and like has loved ones who have addiction problems to like check out Al-Anon because it's really helped you. It really has. And the yeah. reason why we don't go around talking about it a whole lot is because we've decided as a group, we would prefer to ha- have an air of like attraction and not promotion. That's mm-hmm. the expression. Um, so in general, if you find somebody who has like a vibe you want, like a serenity that you want or peace, mm. find out what they're doing mm. and go do that. Yeah. Try it out. Try it out. I never would have really gone to an Aladon meeting except my aunt was like, oh, you love it. Come with me. I've been coming for 20 years. Oh, how nice. <laughs> and I was like, oh, how f- okay. Yeah, right. Yeah. And um, and so I went. And it turns out there's a lot of wisdom there. And there's there was more gentleness in that room than I had ever experienced. And it had nothing to do with any of my qualifiers, which is what we call people who are compulsively uh, numbing out from very painful situations. Mm. And um, it, it was a pleasant surprise. Mm. And I've also been to meetings that were not a pleasant surprise. Right. And I want you to know you can leave – in the middle of it, you won't hurt anybody's feelings. Nobody's nobody's keeping track. Yeah, and well, that's because you travel around to different meetings in different parts of town, depending on because you've got your like, I right like meetings that you like. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you'll like say, okay, I'm going to go to like the one in Silver Lake today, or the one in Santa Monica tomorrow, or wherever. Or if I'm traveling around the country, mm-hmm. I'll check in, and it's so nice to have these people's phone numbers to text or call or whatever, and mm. they're good listeners. And I've not been heard in many parts of my life. Yeah. So it's really given you a platform to be heard and to yeah. listen to others and to commune yeah. over that. Oh yeah, because when you like, if you, if you choose to share and mm. somebody calls on you and you share for a couple of minutes, no one's allowed to talk, and no one's ever allowed to comment on it after. Mm. I had never experienced that before. That's pretty beautiful. Right? Just that that structure. It's stunning. Yeah, and I've only seen it one other time, and it was at a Quaker church. I went to a Quaker church because somebody that I knew was graduating from a Quaker school. Wow. And here's what their church is. You stand in, you sit in these um, rows in a square and they all face each other and there's nobody in the middle and everybody sits in silence. And if anybody feels moved to say something, they stand up and say it. That's really gorgeous. I remember actually when I was looking into high schools, Mm -hmm. one of the schools that I looked at, um, didn't end up going to, but looked at very seriously was a Quaker school in Manhattan. And 
I loved that what they did every morning was you met in the meeting hall mm-hmm. and you sat in that square all facing each other with nobody mm-hmm. in the middle and you had moments of silence. Yeah. So they were working meditation into, in a totally non-religious way, yeah. into the education. And they've been doing that and at that particular school. It's Friends Seminary in Manhattan. For oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The Friends School in Baltimore. This is the one I went yeah. to. Yeah. And it's just, I, I think that's such a beautiful practice and- you know, we, we hear about how meditation changes the brain. Yes. And I think it's doing that in a way that it's not putting the label meditation on it necessarily, but giving people the opportunity, particularly during a very tumultuous, hormonally filled time, you know. And you're face to face. Yeah. If everybody's sitting in that square, you see everybody, mm. you're face to face. The empathy is unavoidable. Mm. That's And really you're gorgeous. just breathing. Mm. Now we can breathe. <laughs> so you've already started giving some tips and we've covered so much yes. today. And, and um, everyone knows I like to wrap up my interviews with a few top three lists. Just for fun. <laughs> Let's do it. So um, I want to start with what are your top three tips for someone who suspects they may have something off or maybe living with invisible illness? What would you say the go-tos would be? I would say write it down hmm. because when you see a doctor, first of all, don't don't be Googling stuff. Don't <laughs> go gonna, down the rabbit hole. We're going to do it anyway, but don't yeah. do it as if that's what you're taking to the doctor. Mm. Write down symptoms to the doctor even when you can't explain them mm. because we often wait until we can explain a symptom before we take it to a doctor. Yeah. So don't do that. <laughs> don't <laughs> wait too long. Write it down. <laughs> Honestly, the sooner you rule stuff out, the better. Had I waited any longer, my face would be paralyzed and there is just no recourse for that. Mm-hmm. And had I gone sooner, I could have saved my hearing. Mm. Well, you'll still – you'll get your bone anchored hearing device and – True. Yeah. Yeah. Still, still, you know, home run on that one. <laughs> That's true. But also like I could, maybe I would still have, you know, both yeah. vestibular systems and I wouldn't have had to take out the inner ear. Mm. So instead of scaring yourself into going to the doctor, I would put it right in your calendar, you know, January 1 and August 31st, whatever your dates are, figure it out. Uh, whatever month has the least amount of birthdays to remember or holidays or whatever. That's what for, isn't it? <laughs> right. Um, and, and make, put it on the calendar and it makes it real. And then whatever symptoms you have, you know, you're going to see them on that day. I love that. Yeah. So journaling really, and being able to like provide data. Sticky note, mm-hmm. you know, a sticky note. And if you know that the day you see your doctor for a checkup and a check-in is going to be August 31st of every year, then you can go to that date in your phone on your calendar and write in your symptoms. Yeah. That's great. What else would you say? What other tips? In terms of seeing and seeing and seeing a doctor and getting a diagnosis, you mean? Yeah. Well, just tips for anyone who is beginning the journey of invisible illness. Like, yeah. Like what would get you a say core to someone? Group. I mean, get a yeah. core group and drop people who are toxic. Yeah. You just don't have the energy. And I mean, that's going to happen anyway. I don't even have to tell you that. Like we conserve our energy and we no longer feel guilt about it. You're the first person who's said this. Um, and I think it's really important advice. That thing of like sticking with the people who work for you mm-hmm. and dropping the people who don't. And you have to. Yeah. You have to. Yeah. I to mean, protect yourself. And not only that, but they're benefiting from the relationship. Mm. Right. 
Well, the toxic people. Yes. That's the idea. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're providing something for them, which I'm going to be really honest, they can get somewhere else. Mm -hmm. But if they can get it more easily and without friction from you, then you're going to be the source. Then you're it. And they'll leech. Yeah. Set them free. Uh, Yeah. Set yourself free. Yeah. You know, really. It's it's, you have better things to do with your energy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And do you have anything else to offer for a tip? I will say, yes, for people who are specifically um, dealing with recovering from an acoustic neuroma, Mm. there is a pillow in the shape of a donut on Amazon with a bite out of it and a hole in the middle. Stop. You will be able to sleep on your surgical site within, I don't know, three to six months. We will link to that. If you have this pillow. (laughs) And the other thing on Amazon is what's called a gel uh, hood. Mm. There's a more specific brand name for this, but um, gel is so much easier on Mm. the surgical site. And when you are getting migraines, it's usually because it's swollen. Okay. And this goes on for years. Mm. You can use one in the shape of an eye mask and it actually has a natural curve that is a perfect fit. Love it. Or you can get an entire hood. And um, putting that on changes everything. And also magnesium at the top of the day. Okay. really, really helps curb any kind of headaches. That's great. Um, but of course, bottom line, check with your doctor if you're going to be like adding a supplement like magnesium into your- Oh, yeah. And a good neurologist will say, this is how we treat migraines. <laughs> I mean, it's the basis of it all. And there yeah. are other things out there you can run by your doctor. Yeah. The other thing I want to promote um, is massages. Yes. Well, and that was – my next thing was like, what are – what are your top three like guilty pleasures or indulgences that are like yeah. comfort activities? So massage, massage. would be one of them. And you know, here's here's the investment. You've got to go to someplace that's economical so you can go consistently. Mm-hmm. And you've got to go repeatedly until you find someone who has the right vibe. Yeah. Because somebody who's dedicated to the healing arts mm. will change your life. Mm-hmm. And it's you just got to kiss a lot of frogs before you get there. <laughs> a place that, you know... There are places I can go where it's really fancy and expensive and I don't have that budget. Mm. And then there are places I can go like in Thai, ta- Thai town, mm. right? Where I can get a massage for $40. Yeah. But there's also a place around the corner <laughs> that's mm. sort of an immediate in between. Mm. And I found women there that are really good. Oh, well, then we'll have to link to this particular place for people who are in LA. Yeah. And in WeHo specifically. I think it's a great idea. Yeah. Um, and they were, they they actually had all female masseuses until mm. like a month ago. Okay. And I went to the man and he was not so good. Oh, funny. <laughs> so I think that's why I really want to promote the the concept of finding the thing that makes you physically feel better and spiritually feel better. Mm, yeah. Because it's all connected. Yeah. Um, so my guilty pleasures would be that. And then <laughs> Just going across the street to this little cafe I love and getting a breakfast sandwich. The idea that someone else is making the meal for me Uh is so luxurious. I know. Isn't it just wonderful? Amazing. Just getting service sometimes is like – and it's one of those things where it's like I've been a server before, but I never realized until I got sick how amazing getting service is. It's incredible. I (laughs) – there was a service, uh, Postmates, right? Oh. I mean, you think you're just getting like, oh, also to call, I can't say her name out loud, A-L-E-X-A, <laughs> to, sh- to yeah, shout to out. Or like your say, Echo Dot. 
And shout out, order a pizza. And she would order this particular pizza I love that would last for several days. And it comes to my front door. Yeah. I mean, Um, you can also also, like do that with a million different delivery services. So basically like- But to shout it out um, at a robot and have it show up. I'm like, thanks, yeah. Miguel. Here's your tip. <laughs> I I could be in my pajamas all day and not think I had to get dressed to go around the corner to get it. Yeah. However, I did this crazy, luxurious thing where I realized that I could have Postmates go to the 7-Eleven around the corner <laughs> and bring me this Ben and Jerry's ice cream called Everything But the Kitchen Sink. <laughs> And they and it has all the candy bars in it. Oh and, my they, God. and I was like, well, I can't just go for one. So let's get two pints of that and a Reese cup. <laughs> and don't they have Slurpees? Like I, I had a sugar. You went for it. I really did, and I did need sugar. I needed not. I needed a lot of sucrose that week. Yeah. Um. So I was like, let's do it. Yeah. I don't. I don't promote like sugar. <laughs> no, I know. But you at know, the time like, so that actually, I did. You, you eat really healthy, but like when you want to indulge, you let yourself, and that's oh, yeah. a huge part of it too. It's like okay. I can. I can afford to. And when my yeah. body's telling me that I want some Ben and Jerry's, I'm going to have my Ben and Jerry's. Well, yeah. And also your brain requires an extra thousand calories a day healing. That's a and, great excuse for eating more. Well, you have to. <laughs> like I can't pack that in with like vegetables. Right. Do you know what I mean? It was yeah. my only option, Lauren. <laughs> but I will say this. After my first surgery and a little bit after the second, mm. I craved red grapes Oh, love them. Partly because they had talons, like red wine, right? Oh, tannins. Tannins. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, talons are they for don't birds. Have <laughs> <laughs> um, and walnuts. Which is interesting because if you have a thyroid condition and you're on medication for it, walnuts and grapefruit are like the two things that can mess with your meds. Oh, wow. So heads up, guys. Careful of those walnuts. Yeah. <laughs> but obviously you were having a craving for them. I don't like walnuts. I think they taste like cardboard, so it's like no Well, they always have a film of dirt. Yeah. But I could not get enough walnuts. Isn't that funny? Isn't it crazy? And I think it's because of the um, the omega-3s of that course. are good for your and brain. And it's protein too, so it's helping you rebuild cells in your body. Eh, I would crave a steak. But <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> I, I think it was just about those DH3 levels or whatever yeah. that D- that is. DHA, is it? Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, Sonora, thank you so much. There's so much valuable information that you've shared. And <laughs> I really hope that um, if people didn't know about acoustic neuromas, they definitely do now. Mm-hmm. And that anyone who's listening who may be going through this, you know, we'll link to the Facebook groups that Sonora yeah. mentioned and um, find that community and take those notes and get that massage and heal. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. I also wanted to quickly mention before we wrap this up, before I I interview people, I always um, say to them, hey, just so you know, I'll probably take a couple of candids and we'll take a selfie together just because I always like to have a record of these interviews and, um, you know, to give you guys some pictures to like throw in with the transcript and stuff. So it's not all like ton of boring text, but um it's really interesting because I said to Sonora, like, hey, in case you want to look pretty and, you know, whatever. <laughs> and what did you say to me? I, well, this was on WhatsApp. So yeah. it was, I, I could just leave a message and I said, oh, hey, um, dear God, please use a headshot. <laughs> <laughs> I am so exhausted. I'm coming home and I just barely made it through the day. Um, and I really don't have the energy to put on makeup or a bra. <laughs> 
I was really looking forward to sitting down and having our chat in my scrubs. <laughs> and she scrubs up nice, even in her scrubs. But um, with that in mind, um, the photos, the candids that I post with this episode, um, we're, we're doing a twist on the candid. Um, and what I love about this anecdote is that it it's uh, an insight into the life of a Spoonie. You know, that like sometimes it's just too much to put that makeup on. I know yeah. I have those days and I'm like, you know what? I, I don't, no, it's not about looking pretty today. It's about, this is about the interview and we'll focus on that. So I'll post a couple pictures of Sonora and I that we've taken, you know, in our time as friends. We have some cute pictures that we'll post, but also you'll see the twist on the candid that I post with Sonora <laughs> behind the mic, which I think is pretty funny. And um, I hope you guys will too. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. That's it, folks. Thanks for listening. As always, please check us out online at uninvisiblepod.com and all over the social media world at uninvisiblepod. We love your feedback and suggestions, so please drop us a line via the website if you have questions, ideas for topics to cover in future episodes, or just want to say hello. We're all about relationships and collaboration here, so credit where credit is due. Music for this episode is by Sean Hart, who can be found at seanhart.com. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts.